cute. Peachy keen. Sexy. Hot. Hot. And out came talk. 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 Hello, welcome back. Mm. We're here. It's scary outside. It's the last week of October, which means we're so close to Halloween. Yes. What spooky. Wait, who was the drag queen that went a boom? Oh, uh, Aiden Zane. Aiden Zane. (laughs) A a boom. There's this picture I have in like my memes folder that's Aiden Zane, but like both of her contacts are like shaped contact of her cat eyes, but both of them are crooked. It's so fucking funny. It's so good. Uh, <laughs> but this is not an Aiden Zane podcast. This is straight people movies. It's yes. a podcast where we two gays get together, watch a movie made for straight people, and ask the question: Boo, 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 boo. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Dylan Garcia. And I'm Kirk Van Sickle. <clears throat> and it's our last week of our Stephen King Halloween Spooktacular. You mean our Stephen King? <laughs> Stephen Yas King. <laughs> Yas King. <laughs> I love how scary Stephen King looks. I know. <laughs> he looks like if like Tilda Swinton and like... I don't know, like a bodybuilder from the 50s, like mashed together. (laughs) I would love to see Tilda Swinton like take on bodybuilding in her next role. Oh, I would love that. Imagine like built Tilda. Built up. Oh my God, it'd be so terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) She'd be, never mind. I was going to make a very stupid, never mind. Uh, I'll tell you off mic. No, I won't. It's not a secret. Who cares? Um... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm cutting all this out. Yeah. Yeah. We're Look, killing it. I haven't done anything all day. I forgot what it's like to talk to people. It's uh, okay. We are. <laughs> well, you know, this, that four, kind of works for the, what we're doing. Honestly, today felt a little all work and no play makes uh, Dylan a dull boy yeah. situation. Imagine if you only um, could interact with your annoying, stupid family for months during a blizzard in a hotel. Fucking hellscape. My nagging wife who just wants to love me. Oh. My, my weird son. <laughs> See, that's actually what drives, drives into madness. It's not Shelly's fault. It's her weird ass yeah, son. <laughs> who has like too old to be having an imaginary friend. Or oh, I don't yeah. know. Is it? I cannot tell how old children are. Danny is like six. Well, I think his character is supposed I, to be six, but that is like a nine year old. Yeah. No. Wait, my nephew, my nephew is seven. Okay, let me. Yeah. Yeah. He's like seven. He's like a baby. He's a child. That is a child. So Danny. So yeah, he was like, he was seven whenever he filmed the the Danny Lloyd. Yeah. I think the way you know is like a seven-year-old, like when they string together a sentence, you're like, oh, nice try. But like a nine-year-old, you're like, oh, like you're talking like almost like a normal human being. You're just talking about Yu-Gi-Oh instead of like Fellini, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you can't parse together what we're talking about this week, we are talking about in our final episode, our final installment of Yas Stephen King. We're talking about the fucking Shining. Dun dun, dun 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 <laughs> dun dun. Wait, I just sang Genesis by Justice. That wasn't The Shining. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine the credits though that like instead of like the car going up the hill to like whatever that piece of music is, it's like da 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 da. Honestly, you could score this movie with Cross. Like during the axe murder scene when they're chasing through the hall, it'd be like stress starts flying. That would be really good. Oh my bitch! Oh my god! Did we find our new Wizard of Oz Dark Side of the Moon moment? Oh my god. <laughs> That's it. This. The Shining, the cross, shining star upon the hill. Exactly. No, I can't. There's there's Jesus imagery in there somewhere. Oh yeah. Um, 
the rocket sweater is obviously a, a metaphor for Christ returning home. Uh, oh, we'll get into heaven. the rocket sweater, honey, because we'll I not only want to talk about Miss Shining, but I also want to talk about Miss Documentary Room 237. Have you seen that? <laughs> yes, it's so Bitch. fucking good. Oh, Bitch. Yeah. It's so good. It's Bitch. so good. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about the one that's obsessed with the rocket. Okay. Yes. He's a king. All um, right, let's okay. get that. Let's get that wrap up. Let's yes. get that. Uh... So in case you've never seen The Shining, which is like, what the fuck are you doing with your life? Like, watch The Shining. Like, literally, like, yeah. I would go out to say that, like, this isn't, like, a scary, scariest moment movie of all time. But in my humble opinion, it is, like, the scariest movie of all time in, like, a really, like, real visceral way. Like, I don't see how oh, anyone yeah, can watch so... this movie and afterwards not feel like evil has infiltrated their home. Like... It feels like an unsettling dream, and I love it for It that. radiates hate. It's just sublime. Um, but anyway, a wrap-up. This is the finale of our Stephen King series. So we're talking about The Shining, of course, the 1980 Stanley Kubrick adaptation film starring Jack Nicholson, Shelley Duvall, Scatman Crothers, and Danny Lloyd. And the plot of The Shining is Jack Torrance is a writer who takes a job as the off-season caretaker for the Overlook Hotel. While there with his family, he begins to spiral into madness and also interrupts a perfectly normal blowjob between two consenting adults. Jack. Yeah. Rude. Don't do that. They were having a good time. They were Why? just trying to have their like cute little like furry moment. There are so many rooms in the hotel, and yet you chose to go into that one. Yeah, that scene definitely gives like Kubrick hates the gays, but like we'll give him a pass. We'll give him a pass. Like literally, <laughs> like literally. So many horrible things happen in this movie. And during the climax of this movie, the most horrifying image they could come up with other than blood coming out of a goddamn elevator is two men sucking dick and cock. (laughs) 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 With one of them wearing like a bear pig. I can't really tell what it is. Dog suit. I can't really tell what it is. Yeah. If If I were a furry, I would be that specific furry. Yeah. Like the pig dog bear suit. Yeah. Just show up to the furry convention in the The Shining costume. Yeah, like, the look on Shelley Duvall's face when she sees them is, like, I know no one can see me right now, but, <laughs> like, oh, Imagine Shelley Duvall's face. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. You got it. But, but she's, like, but like she's, like, her hand is, like, limp as hell with a knife. Mm. She's, like. Oh, she does not know how to hold a knife, Mama. <laughs> Mama, she doesn't know how to hold <laughs> things. Truly. Well, I actually have specifically in the gay section uh, a thing about her holding something. So we'll 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 talk more about Shelly holding things. Um, But anyway, (laughs) The Shining. What a perfect fucking movie. Perfect movie. Five stars. No notes. The end. So now we can just just go, right? Yeah, we're done. All right. My name is Dylan Garst. You can follow me on. (laughs) But you won't get that till the end of the episode. But here's the deal. This is, in my opinion, the greatest horror film of all time. But it is straight, which is a feat yeah. um, in horror filmmaking. It's like not only is it straight, but it's like kind of hard to come up with gay things for this movie. Yeah. Like, there's not that much. Because no gay man – well, first off, none of us would ever go be the caretaker for a hotel over the winter. No. Sounds like a nightmare. With your family? No. Maybe also, bring a couple of your buddies. That could be kind of cute. Yeah. You just like fuck in every room in the hotel. Mm-hmm. Oh my! Honestly, like re- make like a like have like Joel and Booster make a movie like follow up Fire Island, but it's the exact same plot of The Shining, but no like mythological shit. Except that he gets mad because he wants to kill his like annoying best friend who like won't yes. shut up about like Carly Rae Jepsen or something. <laughs> who actually won't shut up about Shelley Duvall. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's a very straight movie. It's very good. It's um. What I love about this movie is that it's, like, a bajillion years long, but it doesn't feel like it is. It, like, just flies Mm -hmm. by. It has such a great build of tension throughout the whole thing, and it, like, pays off, which I feel like so many horror movies have such a problem with that. Like, I feel like most horror movies, for me, like, what brings it into, like, the two-and-a-half-star territory, which is, like, most horror movies, honestly, is that... The buildup is great, and then they just completely lose it in the climax. And you're just like, girl, mm-hmm. like, really? That's what this was all leading to? That occult again? <laughs> um, but this is, like, everything and more. It is, like, a nightmare to watch. I love it. I think it's amazing. Apparently, he was inspired by, like, like fucking Racerhead when he made this. Like, I can feel that energy. It's totally good. tracks. 
I was watching it, and like, cause I've seen this movie a hundred times, and the thing that I focused on the most this time watching it, like, not intentionally, just, like, what stuck out to me the most, and it might just because, like, I saw Tar yesterday, so, like, music Ugh. and movies is, like, oh my god, it was so fucking good. Tar is so, so good. good. It's so good. It's so fucking but, good. Uh, Sorry, guys. It's so good. <laughs> Let's talk about Tar. Uh, but I was really focused on the score of the movie this time. Yeah. And I realized that Wendy Carlos had done it, like, Trans Icon, and... I was like, man, so much of the spooky music that I listen to and so many of the scores that I love are like directly lifted from this. Like I was like, oh, this sounds like Pharmacon. Oh, this sounds like the Under the Skin score. Yeah. Like so much shit that I love is like directly ripped from this. It's so good. The score is amazing for the movie. And um, even though I incorrectly started singing the opening track um, and made it justice <laughs> instead. Um What's cool about the score in the movie is it's not one of those things that, like, you're going to get, like, the score, like, stuck in your head. It's, like, you mm-hmm. watch the movie for, like, in my time, you know, I've seen the movie probably 20 times. It's, like, you're, like, oh, yes, that. Like, it just, it exists only in the world of the movie in a way that's, like, haunting. Like, mm-hmm. it's, like, The Shining to me, like, exists in its own stratosphere. Like, I truly don't know what, like, Cooper tapped into. We can talk about some of the drama on set because I do think that that probably like even if you don't know about what happened on the set of The Shining, you can like feel the energy coming from the movie. Oh yeah, it was a cursed. It's a, a cursed, cursed movie. He like was like fully in his Jack Torrance mode when he made it, mm-hmm. and it just radiates from it. Like you just feel like a sense of like I think hatred is the best word I can come up with. Like there's just like hate like emanates from the movie in a way that like I just don't know how to put my finger on it. It just does. Like you just after you watch the movie, you're like, I don't feel like you're like I'm scared that my dad's gonna kill me. You're like I'm scared that I'm gonna kill someone. Like, <laughs> it has that energy. It's scary. Yeah. It's uh, it's so sad that Shelley Duvall had like a bad time doing this because like yeah, she, she's Shelley Duvall. Can like, you imagine being Duvall. abused on the set of a movie by a director and by your co-stars and you're sick and then. They have the audacity, the critics have the audacity to say that that is a bad performance, when in my opinion, it's one of the greatest performances in a horror movie ever. She's incredible. I will go to bat for her. Literally, I will take that bat out of Jack, her hand, and beat Jack Nicholson's (laughs) ass with it. Okay? Shola Duvall will see the kingdom of heaven. Yes. And I love her, and she's great. And yeah, she's incredible in this. Uh, I think the little kid's good. I don't usually like kid actors, but I thought fucking Danny was really good. You know what's really cool about his performance in the movie is I think what makes it work. You know, I was having a discussion at work the other day about child actors and, like, just the kind of, like, is it even okay to even have child actors in movies, period? Like, just, like, like, let's just start from, like, the biggest question of all, right? Like, is it – and can a child actor actually give a great performance in a movie if – like, it's just, like, I don't feel like a child can really, like, actually understand what they're doing. I feel like no. the couple of times that they do, it's eerie. Like, Haley Joel Osment, for me, is probably the greatest child actor of all time because his acting in, like, The Sixth Sense and AI is, like, insane. Like, you're like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, you, like, no, stop. Like, the fact that he's not haunted for life, maybe he is, I don't know, is, like, astounding to me. But uh, yeah, I mean, he works with Kevin Smith now. Yeah. So, probably. <laughs> but... some shit. I think that um, Danny Lloyd's performance is good because if you look into the film, they didn't they directed him so outside of the source material. He never read a script. He had no idea what the movie was about. And the way they did it, like the way they directed him is that it was like all a game. And they didn't even like have like you'll notice that there's no like actual shots like with him and Jack a lot of the time together, like during the like climax. It's all, like, mm-hmm. cutted, like, cut up. And it's, like, he has no idea what's going on. They're literally, like, no. oh, run, 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 Like, you will, like, watch the documentary about the movie. And they're, like, oh, run. Oh, go hide in there. And then he, like, thinks he's playing, like, fucking hide and seek and, like, tag and shit. And I think that oh. that innocence, like, is what makes the performance work. Because I feel like even a small child, if they knew that danger was coming from their own parent, I still don't feel like they would like fully comprehend like what's happening to them. And I feel like child performances in horror films like, tend to be a little too self-aware. Um, oh yeah. You like, know, have you seen the trailer for it comes out this weekend, the pray for the devil? Um, I think I saw the trailer before smile or something. Yeah. It looks like a shitty, like just 
F list horror movie that's just coming out, like to capitalize that it's Halloween. But there's a child actor and she's like possessed by Satan or whatever. And it does, I think the thing with like children in a horror movie specifically, whenever they're asked to be creepy, it's like the exact same type of creepy because like, I don't know, they just, the way that children are directed is to only be like playful, scary, like, I'll never tell, ooh, but I'm actually a demon. Like, it's yeah. totally there's no other, like, volume at which children are scary in horror movies. And I think Danny's, like, really creepy in this. Whenever he's talking to his imaginary friend and doing the fucking finger thing. Yeah, I think it's, it's creepy because it's real. Because I feel like actual yeah. children, like, when if, like, I mean, I didn't have an imaginary child, but I feel like children are creepy because they don't know what the fuck is going on. And so when they're like, you hear like them talking to somebody that's not there, I feel like it would come across as almost like surreal sort of to an adult. Yeah. And I feel like I agree with you. I feel like children are directed to do the whole like, but why, why are you telling me yeah. to hurt mommy? Like, it's like too, they either play yeah. up the innocence <laughs> too much, like, and it's like ridiculous or they're yeah. directed to be like creepy and it feels very hollow. Like, for example, like. A movie where I truly could say the first half of this movie was so horrifying. I, like, literally, like, thought I couldn't finish it. I was so scared, which is Sinister. I, like, literally thought Sinister was so scary. I was like, I am fucked up from this movie. Like, I have not. Like, as an adult horror movie person, I had not been affected by something like that in a long time. But then the second half of the movie happened. And then once they started, like, getting the kids to be like, shh, shh, shh. I killed mommy and daddy. (laughs) Sorry, spoilers. Um, He's coming. It just ruined it for me. Um, it really ruined it for me because I just think it just it's too self-aware. And I'm like, but yeah. a child, like, real innocence doesn't look like that and real evil doesn't look like that. It's somewhere mm-hmm. in the in between, right? And I just feel like Danny is able to, like, the way they directed him, it really is Kubrick, right? Like, they just found that right balance, I think, between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, where he seems naive because he's a child, but also at the same time, like, he's experiencing things as a child that, like, other children don't experience. And it's confusing yeah, he, and he weird. Has the shine. And he has the shine to him. So, I, yeah, I agree. I, I do think he's very good in it. It's very – I feel like ch- creepy children movies, for me, like, they only work if they're camp. Um like the yeah. bad seed, Which like is if why you've Megan's ever, gonna work. Like if you've ever seen the bad seed, um, this fifties movie, um, oh my god, like it's about like a little child, like a girl, like a little girl who kills other kids. Oh, it's so good. Hell yeah! Because she's literally like, oh, those are the. I love that shit. Those are the best episodes of the Twilight Zone. Mm. Whenever it's just like a little girl, or whatever is like. I'm going to push daddy down the stairs. Right, exactly. And then it's it's campy, and then it's, like, creepy in a fun way. Yeah. But when they actually yeah. try to sell it as, like, this is scary, it just doesn't really yeah, work a lot of the time for me. Um, I agree. Like, uh, Pet Cemetery, like, all, like, the big classic, like, scary kid movies don't really do it for me. I'd say, like, The Omen, the kid's, like, good in that because he's just kind of, like, he doesn't, like, have lines. He's just kind of, like, there looking creepy. Um and then, like, and then I guess Linda Blair and The Exorcist would probably be, like, the greatest horror movie child yeah. performance ever. Um, yeah, but she has, like, she, like, gives it her all. She's, like, violent in that movie. Well, right, because as Reagan, yeah. she's kind of, like, fine. Like, she's literally, like, I'm Reagan. Ha, 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 ha. I'm Ellen Burstyn's <laughs> daughter. And then when she plays the demon, you're like, oh, shit. Like, yeah, like oh, now she's girl. acting, Mama. And it's like, <laughs> it's really, really good. And I think that children can play scary well. I think that, like, their innocence can sell it because at the end of the day, like, a demon is just pure evil, right? It's, like, super, it's super extreme. But I think the problem mm-hmm. is that directors are so caught up in this idea of how creepy children are supposed to act. And they just get it wrong, I feel like, a lot of the time. It's like, it's not scary. I was like, I'm going to go smack that kid across the face. Uh Uh-uh. Don't talk to me like that. No. You know? Well, speaking of that, it when this movie, speaking of like performance and stuff like that, this movie, when it came out, got terrible reviews. Yeah, so fascinating. the worst thing in the world, the Razzies. It got two Razzies. uh, Worst director and worst actress, even though they did rescind her worst actress in 2022. See, I thought when they rescinded that, it was super... P- 
patronizing because they didn't rescind yeah, it, it because they said the performance was actually good and they were wrong. They rescinded it because of the abuse that Shelley Duvall faced on set. And to me, that's like kind of the carryover of like what Me Too does to culture that I think is like t- super symbolic and dumb. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, like y'all were just wrong. She's good in the movie. Like it's that simple. Yeah. The Razzies are stupid and are bad. Yeah, they're mean. I know that we say that we need more meanness in culture. What I mean is, like, us making fun of Jason Sudeikis for getting in front of a car. Like, that's the sort of mean thing I'm here for. But, like, the Razzies are, like, stupid because I just don't – making a movie is hard. Like, I hate to be, like, that boy right now. But, like, making a movie is really, really hard. They're, like, a miracle that they get made anyway. And Mm -hmm. I just think that, like, I don't know. Kicking people while they're down. It's like the movie probably already flopped. It probably got bad reviews. People's, like, careers might even be destroyed from it. And then to also, like, give out an award? I don't know. Mean. Yeah. Well, I think there are a lot of, like, also a lot of, like, can't. They don't really understand, like, stuff for gay people. Like, because, for example, like, Liza Minnelli has won before. And, like, Madonna's won a bunch. Which is, like, fine because Madonna's a bad actress. But also, like, Elizabeth Berkley and Showgirls won the Razzie See, like, yeah, I Heather Donahue, her Blair Witch. That is... Are you serious? Heather Donahue yes. won Worst Actress in Blair Witch? Yes. I'm sorry. Unreal. Okay. Oh. <laughs> oh. I did not know that. That is insane. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is one of the greatest performances in a horror film. They made people believe that they were real people, and that was real footage. Mm-hmm. They thought they fucking died. Okay, that is like a hard fucking thing to do, and she's brilliant in that movie. And the mm-hmm. monologue, I know it's been made fun of to death, but I'm sorry, when you actually watch Blair Witch Project and that monologue happens, it is amazing. And it's, it's a- completely improvised, and like, I just, mm, no, absolutely not. The last way, last time I watched Blair Witch um, was in. Did you ever go to Cold Town whenever it was open? Mm hmm. I did. Yeah, so I watched it in after hours. It was like a Kyle, a uh, friend of the pod, Kyle, had a key to the theater. And so one day after the shows were done, me and some other people stayed behind and watched Blair Witch. Ugh. And the thing about Cold Town is that it's below I Love Video. And so when people would walk above you, you'd hear the steps and it would creak through. Mm. And so just watching I Love Video in a black box theater with like, like a bunch of like exposed pipes and shit everywhere mm. with like foot, foot creaks. So fucking scary. It was so good. Blair Witch is so good. I feel like when horror fans or people in general try to clown that movie to this day, I'm just like, you're boring for like not liking that movie. Mm. You're boring for making fun of it. Like Blair Witch changed everything. I don't care how you feel about found yep. footage movies, but like it's also the most profitable film of all time. So I think Paranormal Activity might have beat it, but whatever. Paranormal Activity literally. Still. Ran, walk, you know, the thing on the internet. Yeah. That thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah. No, The Shining's good. But I feel like with horror movies, it's pretty typical for the great ones, for the most part, to have gotten kind of like middling or like controversial reviews at the time. And then as time goes on, people realize that it's actually good. And I think that's really interesting. Um, yeah. I think that's really interesting because it's like, I don't understand how anyone could watch The Shining and think that was bad. I like truly don't get it. I can see them being, like, confused or being, like, what the hell was that? But, like, it's effective. Like, it's, like, not a traditional movie. It, it's very dream logic. And I feel like it's a classic F cinema score kind of movie where it's, like, it's not the movie that was marketed to you. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. Maybe we'd have to look at the marketing. There's nothing like it, really, still to this day. That's what's so ironic about The Shining being considered one of the great horror films because I don't feel like – a like, I feel like when directors actually try to make their movies like The Shining, it's, like, bad. Like, actively bad. Mm-hmm. Like, like they do a bad job. I would say the closest that a horror movie has gotten to being like The Shining to me is probably the new Suspiria. Yep. I could... Yeah. Yeah. Where there's just a bunch of just, like, lore in it that, like, you, they don't explain ever. They just give you little bits and pieces. Like, there is a bigger world out there, but they just don't let you see it. Yeah, I think my problem with Suspiria and why it could never be The Shining is that... I'm sorry, as amazing as the scene is, I like don't think I could sit through the scene where the girls like twisted around. Like again. It was just like it's too so upsetting. It's like way too obscene. Like I appreciate it like as a horror nerd, like that he pushed the envelope, but it's like it's really tough to like sit through something like that over and over again. Like the shining mm-hmm. has like total replay value for me. And like even the Exorcist yeah. does. But I feel like the Suspiria remake, I was like, 
I don't want to see that ever again. Like, I don't want to see that scene ever again. Like, it was, like, yeah. way too disgusting. And, like, I just... Yeah. It was horrible. Yeah, all the violence in The Shining is pretty tame compared to even, like, any slasher from the 80s. Yeah. Like, the most violent is, like, the, when he actually kills... Uh, what's his name? Scatman Crothers. Works at the hotel who comes back. Yeah, when he comes to Scatman Crothers. Uh, that's probably the most violent. It's such a good scare too when he like jumps out and like, ugh, so good. And that music. Yeah. I mean, the shining for me is all about the dread and the atmosphere, right? It's not like Mm -hmm. there's scary scenes in it. Like the first one that comes to mind is like, you know, the famous scene with the girls in the hallway. I just, the buildup like of him just like, they like let him roll around in that hallway for like a while Mm -hmm. before he comes up to them and, it's an iconic scene and it is for a reason. It's just so eerie and haunting. It really does feel like what it's like when you're a little kid and you're afraid that you're going to turn the corner of a hallway or whatever. And you're going to see yep. a ghost and, but it happens. It's so good. And it's just so brightly lit. And it's just like, there's no shadows in this, in the shining. Nothing's happening in the shadow. I mean, there's things happening in the shadows metaphorically, but like when you see the violence and you see the gore and you see the ghosts, it's all like bright as day. And I like love that about mm. it. Yeah, they just stop hiding. So I wanted to do a little fun game. I don't know. I don't know if it's fun for anyone else, but it's fun for me. I just love recasting the Oscars. Mm. So this movie famously didn't get nominated for any Oscars. Um, to make it easy for you, I'll send you the link to the okay. wiki if you don't have it already. Uh, but I want to try to see where we could fit in The Shining. This is uh, the 53rd Academy Awards. Ooh, this is a good year, films. bitch. It's a really good year. Ooh. That's the thing. If we, were to put, if we were to put The Shining in the Oscars, where would it go and would oh it win anything? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So this best picture, best picture is, like, really good. Fuck. It's okay. a really good best picture lineup. Okay. It's Ordinary People Wins, mm. uh, Coal Miner's Daughter, Rest mm. in Peace Loretta, The Elephant Man, Raging Bull, and Tess. Well, the only one the I haven't seen is Tess. The only one I haven't seen is Tess. So yeah. I guess that one. <laughs> Yeah, let's take Tessa. It's a fucking uh, Polanski movie. We can take that out. Oh, fuck him. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but would you have it win over Ordinary People? Yes. Probably, actually. Yeah. I like definitely. Ordinary People. I think what makes yeah. Ordinary People good, though, is the performances. I don't really, like, think yeah. of it as, like, a film, you know? Yeah, I agree. Uh, I would, once again, I would kick out either Roman Polanski or Richard Rush for the stuntman. Get them out of best director. Let's just take Richard Rush out, I guess. But or we could be, we could be, yeah. you, we could be, you know, in solidarity and take out Roman. Let's take out Roman. Let's just take out fucking Roman. Uh, but like, this is this would be Robert Redford's only Oscar, though. <sighs> no, I'm sorry, Kubrick for the shine. Kubrick never won an Oscar either. Yeah, no, he never won an Oscar. Yeah. So. So we'll give it here. Yep. Sorry, but Robert. Where would Robert get his Oscar? What did he get it for? Like Elephant, uh, not Elephant Man for uh, for Out of Africa. I don't know. I'm not really a Robert Redford guy. I feel like he's a little too like um, Americana for me. There's no yeah. edge to a Robert Redford, you know. Yeah, it's like he's like a Paul uh, Newman, but without the grit, you know. Yeah, God, Paul Newman. Yeah, I know. Paul Newman's so hot. Uh, I mean, obviously, definitely put Jack in for Best Actor. Yeah, but I think De Niro should still win. <laughs> I think De Niro should still win for Raging Bull for sure. And yeah. he could really take out anyone in this lineup because I haven't seen any of them except for obviously John Hurt and the Elephant Man, who's amazing um, in it. So okay. he's got to stay. But uh, yeah, I would still give it to Robert. I really like John yeah. Hurt and the Elephant Man, though. So like, I almost would like put John Hurt over Jack Nicholson, too, in with Best Actor. Yeah, I mean, he never won anything. No? Yeah, and they, didn't he die recently? Or a while he died ago? recently. I don't remember. But anyway, he's really good in the he Elephant Man. He died in 2017. Okay, it's been so a minute. He died five years ago. Uh, best Actress, I don't even... Not only would I... I would maybe take out Gina Rollins, but like everyone else in this lineup is incredible. It's Sissy Spacek, Ellen Burstyn, <sighs> Goldie Hawn, and Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah, these are like icons. I would still squeeze yeah. Shelly in here. I don't know over yeah. who, because I haven't seen any of these other than Ordinary People and Coal Miner's Daughter. I'd probably still give the win. No. Fuck. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about Sissy. Here's the thing about Sissy. She should have won for Carrie. <laughs> Period. So, yes. like, she should have already had an Oscar at this point. Um, And I, like, I 
think that she should know in the bedroom year was a really good year for best actress. So that is 2002, Halle Berry, Monsters Ball, Judy mm. Dench, Iris, Nicole Kim and Milan Rouge, Sissy Spacek in the bedroom, Renee Zellweger, Bridget Jones's Diary. So never mind, I hate that year. Um, it's really bad. Um, <laughs> Sissy Spacek should have won. Um, I think I get yeah. confused because the year before <laughs> is the iconic year where it's like Ellen Burstyn and Requiem for a Dream and Bjork should have been nominated for Dancer. Oh, Correct. the 2001 is tough because Naomi Watts should have been nominated for Mulholland Drive and won. Mm-hmm. But, you know. The, yeah, so... But, you know, it is what it yeah. is. So, Sissy. Yeah. For that year. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, Sissy's yeah. really good in Coal Miner's Daughter. Um, yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah, give it to Sissy. Give it to Sissy. She played Loretta Lynn. Come on. It's too good. And so, the other one where I think it, it would be nominated if we were to do it would be in score. But I don't think that the correct score won. Like, okay, take out the score to test, put in The Shining. I still think John Williams should have won for Empire Strikes Back. Oh, like, my God. God, one of the most iconic scores of all time. What the actual fuck? Fame won over is the Empire Strikes is Back. Fame. It's kind of like Gaze won, but like I'm mad about it. At what cost? Yeah, what right. Cost Not for this. Not for Empire Strikes Back. No, man. No. Well, Tess won. Honestly, Fame should. Sorry, go Fame ahead. Should have lost both of its Oscars. It should have lost score, and it should have lost original songs. So they could give it to Dolly Parton for nine to five. Oh my god, I can't believe that Dolly Parton lost. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like best art direction. Um, oh, Empire Strikes Back is in here. Yeah, fuck, that's hard because I feel like The Shining. Like one of the things for me personally that makes the film great is the art direction. I feel like the it's way so the good. the hotel is like designed is really amazing. Apparently, like in the documentary Room Two Thirty Seven, I think I remember that someone explains that like it doesn't make sense. Like. Yeah, spacing wise, like not possible. Yeah, it's like a labyrinth, and it doesn't make any sense because it was all on a set, so they were able to like just mm-hmm. build rooms separately of each other and and do things that didn't make any sense. And I just feel like, but it's like not showy. I feel like art direction that typically wins, right, is going to be like period pieces and like mm-hmm. you know, like your Shape of Waters are the kinds of things that win best art yeah. direction. You know, which is like cool. That's fine. The art direction in the Shape of Waters is like the only reason why anyone should ever watch that movie. Um because <laughs> I thought it was bad. But, um, yeah, Empire Strikes Back for me, though, like, the jump from the original Star Wars having no budget to, like, budget for Empire Strikes Back, like, yeah. it's amazing. You know, somebody on Twitter the other day was talking about, like, how the lightsaber scene, like, fight scenes in the Empire Strikes Back are, like, so incredibly, like, lit and well executed. Mm-hmm. And they're just, like, beautiful to look at and how, like, the Marvel movies should take notes. Um because I get a lot of content. I get a lot of anti-Marvel content on Twitter. Good. <laughs> Unsurprisingly. That's, speaking of shit being lit, whenever <laughs> shit, it's lit. Uh, but when I watched RRR, one of the big things I took away from it is like, oh, fuck. Like, I can see and like comprehend all the action because it's during the day. Totally. And it's even like, this shit at night is so well lit. We were talking about like when we did Mad Max Fury Road, we talked about like how the way everything was staged, lit and edited in the action sequences of MX Fury Road is, like, so exemplary. Like, to me, like, no other movie comes close in the last 10 years to being, like, the best action movie of the last 10 years than Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. No. Incredible. Yeah. Nowhere near. Um, But, yeah, I mean, yeah, this is a tough year. So I guess I could, like, also see – I feel like between the fact that these, like, vanguard movies, like, high art, high class, classy movies – we're, like, getting nominated and winning Oscars. This is also, like, the year after Halloween. You know, this is, like, right before. I think this is the same year as Friday the 13th. I also think that around this time, like, people just wanted, like, scary movies like that. I feel like the 70s going into the 80s, there's, like, supernatural stuff. Like, I mean, you got, like, the Amityville Horror, I guess, and, like, The Omen and The Exorcist. But I feel like that was starting to get out of style around this time. And people were more interested in the slashers. So I could also see that also mm. being why The Shining was, like, a weird one. Because it's, like, kind of a slasher at the end. But it's mostly a supernatural horror film. But it's also, like, psychological. It has more in common with, like, the 60s horror films, like The Haunting, than it does with, like, yeah anything that was going on around the time. So I could see why people didn't respond to it, maybe, at the time. And King also hated it. So I'm sure that didn't help. Um people liking the movie. Yeah, well, I, I wanted to get back into into King and how, A, it's crazy he didn't like this movie, but also King might have bad taste. 
but how do you think this fits in with the other King adaptations that we've done? Well, I can see why he doesn't like it because it's so unlike the rest of his adaptations, right? The other mm-hmm. adaptations are really, they stay true to the story. And I think that the thing, because The Shining to me is like the ultimate King thing that I like, other than maybe Carrie. I feel like the thing that is different about The Shining than like it and all the other movies we did is that there's like, there's kind of like a sappiness to King's work, mm-hmm. especially in something like it. And I feel like yeah. The Shining is just d- devoid of sentimentality, <laughs> sappiness, saccharin, anything. Like there is nothing that feels good about watching The Shining. It is just a dark, evil movie. And I know that for him, The Shining is really personal because it's like about alcoholism and he was an alcoholic. Um, and I guess the way Jack Nicholson's character is portrayed in the movie is that he's pretty much evil from the get-go and The Shining just kind of unlocks it. Like the, the hotel unlocks yeah. it. And that's <laughs> it. And I guess I could see maybe character-wise why that's not as complex. But I feel like filmically, it makes more sense because look how bloated it felt as a movie. Exactly. Yeah, this like it is like only slightly shorter than The Shining, but it is just this endless slog of a movie. Yeah, endless exposition, endless like little scenes. While The Shining just takes kind of like the core of the book, I would assume I've never read it, so don't quote me on this. But I feel like the, it takes the central premise and is like, let's just concentrate on that, and just mm-hmm. fucking milk the hell out of the setting. Yeah. The vibe, the atmosphere of the, what's it like to like live in a hotel full of like ghosts and what that would do to people. I like that that all four of the movies that we watched, Misery, It, The Mist, The Shining, are all about being trapped in one location. Yeah, he's obsessed. Cujo's like that too. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, I was, I was thinking, I was like, maybe three of them were actually about that. But I was like, actually, well, it's kind of about like, also you're trapped in a situation because you're a kid and you can't go anywhere. Yeah. And they're like trapped, trapped in this in town. And, and yeah. And you're trapped to the curse because like you had to come back anyway. So like, it's all about being trapped. And so it's really interesting that like, of the four kind of main, I guess like, yeah, Carrie and like Pet Cemetery probably being the other big, and I guess Shawshank, that those Those, four. You're are, right. I think you just figured out a theme in his work. They're all about being trapped. They are about being trapped. I think that King is obsessed with this idea of like that horror can strike anybody at any moment um, and that no mm-hmm. one can be like, I feel like the shining is weird though. It kind of does stick out yeah. to me because yes. he chooses to go and do this, you know? Yeah. Um. Yeah. The other ones are all like, this happens to them, and then this is the one where it's like he actually actually makes the choice to be stuck. Yeah, because it's like in Carrie, it like all of them like they truly can't get out of their situation. Like, like what are you supposed to do when you're a kid? Or like in the mist. I mean, <laughs> you saw what happens if you left mm. the grocery store. So it, but with the shining, what's fascinating is that it's like he forces his whole family to do this thing that they don't really want to do. Like, I mean, Shelley tries to be like gung-ho about it for his sake um but even at the end i think what makes the shinings like climax like that's third act so amazing and terrifying and horrifying and like to this day like i've seen it a million times but it'll make my sweats pit or pit pits sweat pet pit sweat <laughs> pit sweat um pit sweat it's because she wants to leave and he's yeah. like no we're not leaving And I just feel like there's something really like it's kind of like claustrophobia where there's something just so visceral about the feeling of like when you're powerless to someone that has more power over you and you're trying to make decisions Mm -hmm. for your well-being and your child's well-being. And like this other daunting, empowering figure is like, no, I think it's like not seeing reason is not seeing emotion. And that's really terrifying. I think that's what's really scary about the movie is it's like imagine like being in that situation with your family, you know, and you just do feel this like sense of helplessness that is like very palpable that I feel like other horror movies have a tough time tapping into in that, that way. Yeah. You know, the shining fucking whips, like it, rips. it really whips. Like to me, like I cry every time the way Shelly delivers this line is so brilliant. But when she's just like, I think that we should take Danny to a doctor. And then he just goes, you want to get it to a doctor? And he like it's mocks so... her. 
I just think that it's like the most horrible, evil, cruel, like that exchange, that entire scene isn't my favorite part of the whole movie where she's got the bat and like, mm-hmm. and he's just like mocking her. To me, it's like, that is what watching like a parental figure or someone you love, like that is what someone you love would do to you if they've gone like full evil mm-hmm. is they would mock you, you know? Yeah, like the ultimate like horror of the movie is not like the supernatural things. It's your dad coming to kill you. And that's the scariest thing. Like that, cause that kind of like a ghost isn't going to come and suck you off or whatever. But I mean, maybe Jack wouldn't have done what he did if he got sucked off instead by a ghost instead of like, yeah, if, if he was getting sucked off in a, by a guy in a bear costume, Maybe he'd be chill as hell. Yeah, there's just something about um, the maleness of his character, too, and, like, the male – like, the scene where he's, like, in the bathroom with the, like, um, bartender or, like, the server mm-hmm. or whatever, and he's like, oh, yes, I used to overlook the hotel. He's like, my wife was acting out of line, and I corrected her, and then I, like, corrected yes. my – it's, like, the, the, the way they – I think for me, like, the movie feels, like, cultish. It's just, like, the cult of men. Like, it's, like, mm-hmm. like they just don't get it, do they? Like, women and children, they just don't know what it's like to be us. And, like, we have to, like, show them the way. And it's just, like, oh, God. Like, it's yeah. scary. It really is scary because you scary. feel like. It is scary. It feels like what possesses Jack Torrance is, like, in real life, what possesses people to, like, kill their families and stuff. Like, it feels really real. And I don't know how mm-hmm. Kubrick did it, other than maybe that he wanted to kill his family at some point in his life. I don't know. Well, I think that brings us to our next segment, like why do straight people love this movie? And I think it, I think Kubrick is behind that because Kubrick is definitely one of the classic. It's crazy we've never done a Kubrick. Before, yeah, he's a well, classic straight people movie director. It's tough. He is. And what's cool about Kubrick, and I know it's probably kind of cool these days to like hate on him because it's like he is so well loved, and he's kind of like baby's first real filmmaker. Um. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like, it is really cool that Kubrick's as big as he is because he made art house movies. Like, I mean, yeah. these are, like, artsy fucking movies with a budget. And, like, 2001 A Space Odyssey? Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, that I saw 2001 A Space Odyssey at, like, the Austin Summer Music Series or movie series at the Paramount is fucking crazy. Yeah, I saw it in like, 70 millimeter, so yeah, weird. or whatever. at the Yeah, yeah it was it's so really bizarre. And yeah. I remember when I saw it. With my friend Audrey, there was this older couple behind us, like, talking throughout the whole movie. And they were, like, stunned by how bizarre the movie was. Like, they were like, I don't remember, like, this being this slow. I don't remember this being this weird. And I'm like, yeah. Because people just have better taste in movies than I feel like. Like, we've talked about it a lot. But, like, I just feel like people, like, were just a little more intellectual, like, just naturally um, Mm -hmm. about film and other things. You know? Like, the fact that, like, a Cool Hand Luke could be a big movie at that time. When it's such a yeah. thoughtful film, you know? Did you go to the 2001 screening in, like, 2012 where uh, PTA was doing a bunch of secret screenings of The Master? No. After Kubrick films? No. So he would do this thing in L.A. where he would, like, they, he would like present, uh, like, a Kubrick movie, like Clockwork Orange and that, and then be at the end of it, he would come out and be like, we're going to show my new movie, The Master. Ha ha. That's cool. The Paramount, like, announced this uh, screening of 2001, like, kind of out of nowhere. And when I, it was when I worked at the Draft House in, like, yeah, I guess 2012 or 2013 when it came out. And we were all convinced that PTA was going to show The Master. Like, fully, like, we all took off. We were all, we all got cut. We all went to the Paramount and watched 2001. And we waited until they started cleaning the theater. It was like that meme of like on TikTok where it's like you're at the the Carly Rae Jepsen concert and they're just still sitting there. It's like she hasn't played store yet. Like that's how uh, we Damn. were with this. We were just we thought it was gonna happen. It just didn't. That's so crazy. That's so cool though that he did that. I um yeah. That's like so badass of him to be like, yeah, I'm the next I Kubrick. Oh, we'll show my movie after yeah. a Kubrick movie. Um, which yeah. like T, he's right. Um, yeah. Because I also won't take any PTA uh, slander on my timeline either, even though same. licorice pizza was mid. Um, but yeah, like, licorice pizza may not be it, but he's still PTA. Yeah, but yeah, Kubrick's a cool director. I think it's like cool that like I don't know, like looking back, it's like I watched The Shining when I was like probably like twelve or thirteen. It was like during my big like I'm a horror girl now moment, which is like <laughs> I feel like I'm so lucky that my mom was a horror person because I feel like I got really. I got, like, shown the right path. Like, mm-hmm. I watched The Ring, which I have a tattoo of, because it was, like, the movie that 
did it for me. Like that's the movie that made me so be good. like, I want to watch horror films. Like I liked being scared in this weird way. And then my mom was like, well, if you're getting into horror, you have to like watch the classics. Like my mom, like, it's like, yeah. yes, Jean, like, of course <laughs> I do. Um, and she showed me the shining, the exorcist, the omen, um, like all of like the big older ones. And the shining always like stuck out to me the most out of all of them. I just like loved right. it. Um, and yeah, I just feel like Kubrick, but it's like, yeah, it wasn't soon after that. It was soon after that that I watched like 2001 and A Clockwork Orange. And like, you know, like it just feels like to me, you're not like a real, like I feel like most film nerds, like they went through a Kubrick phase in like high school or college for sure. Yeah. You know? And Oh yeah. My, my intro to Kubrick was, I remember I was an avid Entertainment Weekly reader. I read every single week um, just because that's whenever you're gay, you have it, you automatically get an Entertainment Weekly subscription when you're 12. And Duh. I remember reading an article that was like the 10 most controversial movies of all time. And one of them was a clockwork orange. And I was like, so for some reason, like fixated on it. And I was like, I well, have yeah, to cause they look movie. hot in those little they outfits. Look so fucking hot with it, with the fucking, with the eye makeup and the milk and the cod pieces. And so I read the book. Oh, the book is so good. The book is so good. Incomprehensible. Oh, I love uh, it. It is oh, so yeah. good. It's so cool. Uh, and then I watched the movie and I was like, oh, it's fucking over. So then I watched the rest of it. I haven't seen any of his 50s stuff. Yeah, I, I'm not um, like the biggest, like I haven't seen Spartacus. I haven't seen, um, what's the other one? The Killing. Um, yeah, I haven't seen any of the ones. I haven't seen Spartacus. The Paths of Glory. Yeah. I've seen yeah. Lolita and I really liked Lolita quite a bit actually. Lolita's great. Doctor Strangelove is perfect. I've never seen Doctor Strangelove. That's like my big like. So fucking good. Yeah. I feel like my three big like. How's he never seen that movie? Are eight and a half. I've never seen yeah. <laughs> Doctor Strangelove, and I've never seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, those are all classics. All, all those are all classic boy movies. Yeah, I don't well, know. I don't know how we I should do Doctor Strangelove. Um, we talked about doing Doctor Strange Love, I remember, or, yeah. a while back, and then we didn't do it for some reason. Oh, you know what it was? I think it wasn't available anywhere. I actually think we were thinking of doing it, and then it yeah. wasn't available. Let me see. I have it on Blu-ray, and it, it's the Criterion release of it, and it came with like a little envelope that has like secrets in it and stuff. It has a bunch of little Easter eggs and stuff. It's really cute. Oh, I uh, love but yeah, Criterion Yeah, I think it's not shit. hard to find. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, available for rent. But, um, yeah. but yeah, I um, I've always wanted to watch it. Um, I'm glad I waited to watch it because I feel like really like smart comedies like didn't resonate with me when I was younger because I was stupid and I am still pretty stupid. Um, but I feel like now I would probably from like, I think any comedies before like the eighties are like kind of like, it's just like a different comedic language they're using. Totally. I mean, I think that like being raised on like Mel Brooks, like screwball stuff, like parodies, I think. It was just tough. Like, I feel like a movie like Dr. Strangelove, because I'm pretty sure I tried watching it when I was younger and I was like, I don't get this. Like, I don't get like what's yeah. funny about this. Um, but like Young Frankenstein, like I totally got, you know. Oh, yeah. Because that's like a kid's movie and shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's essentially. Not, but, like, it has. Yeah. Well, it's it was not a Ugh. far jump from watching like Austin Powers growing up and then going back to Young Frankenstein because it's a similar there sense of like parody, spoof, innuendos, like all that kind of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. made sense to me. I feel like Dr. Strangelove from the little bits I watched, it felt very like you needed to know about the war. You needed to know about philosophy. You needed to know about like things mm. in, that are happening in the world at this time to understand <laughs> what the fuck is happening and why it's funny. Um, so I feel like I'd enjoy it now. And I heard that Peter Sellers, like I know like a lot of comedic types say that like his performance in that is like one of the great comedic performances of all time. It's so good. It's so good. So uh, I know I need love to. That shit. I know I need to watch it. But yeah, yeah. People, straight people love Kubrick. I do feel like love Kubrick. It's very cool, and I do notice that in the queer film circles that it's very like cool to hate on him. Um, yeah. But like, I'm, I'm just, like so. This is they're like the he's like the Beatles real, to me. Like, it's like it's good. Come on. Yeah, I feel it's a little, um, but I don't want to say like full red scare. But like, I'm like very bored of like film people being like uh movies from men are so fucking boring it's like Shut oh up. Like, watch a movie okay so you so want to talk, let's talk about tar for a second then um let's talk about tar i tar is so fucking good. was <laughs> obsessed uh, 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 
est with the scene where she belittles that idiot in the college class. I thought it was brilliant and I'm obsessed with it. And when people online, like that, it's like an uncut, like 20 minute scene. It's amazing. And I love that people online, like it's so smart. First off, Todd field. What the fuck dude, the amount of like cinematic, like I like was astounded by the jump from, I know it's been years, but like the jump from Mm. little children to this, I'm like, Oh girl, she a filmmaker. Okay. Exponential. Because, like, Little Children yes. in the Bedroom are both good movies, but I feel like they were, like, pretty to look at. They were, like, dark, but I didn't feel like there was, like, a real, like, sense of, like, control. Tar is, like, girl, you had this whole movie mapped out in your fucking mind. Like, this mm-hmm. movie is perfect. And I loved that scene because, to me, it represented everything that annoys me about discourse, about art these days. Like, it truly was, like, mm-hmm. a... A match of the mind. Like, like I didn't necessarily agree with everything she said either. But it was, like, to me, I'm like, oh, these are, like, the two extremes of, like, how people think about art these days. It's, like, the old mm-hmm. vanguard. Like, you know, like, why are you shitting on Roman Polanski? Like, yes, he did what he did. But, like, Repulsion's amazing. Like, Lydia Tarr point of view. And then this whole, like, I just won't engage with anything made by, like, straight white men. And I'm just, like, yeah. where is the in-between? Where is the in-between, people? Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying <laughs> my best to figure out what that is. But... You're making it so hard. There, but yeah, I love that thing scene. About, that's, that's the thing about Tar so good is that it's like there is there is no in-between. Well, what I loved about Tar, and I can like talk about it for hours. I mean, Jesus literally talked about it like on the whole ride home because we saw it at the Grove, which is like becoming like the big like this is where like movies, you know, start like the small indie ones like Tar and it's kind of far. So we mm-hmm. had like a full like 30 minutes to talk about the movie and we nonstop talked about the movie for like the, like I was like that movie yes. was so complicated. Like I literally was like she sucked. But, like, I don't think she actually did any of the things that she was, like, being, like, taken down for. But I'm also, like, but she kind of needed to be taken down. So it's, like, such an interesting movie because it was, like, holy shit, like, like, this is just life. Like, the movie presents, like, this is just the way things happen. Like, this is just life. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's, It's like, this is what happens when you suck for this long, you know? (laughs) It's the only interesting thing about, like, power dynamics and cancel culture that I've ever seen. No, I agree because it was so compelling because it's, like... It would have been so easy to make her great and then have her like there were so many different ways the movie could have been done that would have been so simple and mm-hmm. like very like easy to digest. But instead they're like, no, she did suck. I don't know if she sucked mm-hmm. that bad, but she did kind of suck. And she did use her power to ab- she abused her power for sure. Maybe not on yeah, the level yeah. that they were saying. And it's like and then part of you is kind of like, I mean, yeah, it sucks that she like, sorry, this is a lot of spoilers. You probably have to cut this all out. Hi, future Dylan here. Um, I did cut out what was an explicit spoiler of the ending of Tar, so um, you'll never get to hear it because I deleted it. Back to the podcast. Um, speaking of Tar, is there anything gay about this movie? Uh, yes, yeah. Michelle Duvall in general. Yes, yeah. v- probably the but great, I think spe- yeah. the great campiest not camp performance of all time. Yeah, it's not like she's not doing like, oh, Jack, what are you doing to me? Like, it's not like that, but it's like it it fits very real and lived in. But she is Shelley Duvall, so it still feels like like an alien is doing it. Yeah, it's still it feels um, vaudevillian by accident. Yeah, <laughs> but my I want to draw our attention specifically to when she's talking to the doctor about um, how uh, Danny got his arm dislocated, shoulder was dislocated. And she's holding a cigarette, and <laughs> she has not ashed it for about ten minutes. It's about a good inch and a half of ash on that cigarette. Anyone that has and seen The Shining more than once knows exactly what you're talking about, girl. <laughs> that cigarette, like it's incredible. Like it's the whole fucking cigarette <laughs> is ash, and it just is just upright, gravity defying. It's like pink up there. She's on a fucking harness spinning around. She has not taken one drag of that cigarette the whole conversation. <laughs> She's just holding it. That's and the spookiest that's thing that happens in The Shining. <laughs> I'm terrified. Um, and then I think hedge mages are gay. They're they're gay. Yeah, I think mazes hedge are maze? gay too. Uh, yeah, because I feel like what it's like to know, be a gay man maze? is like having a brain that's a hedge maze, with the thing being at the yes. center of the hedge maze that you're a fucking faggot and you need to deal with it. Did you ever listen to that podcast S Town? Well, I don't listen to podcasts. Remember. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> uh, it's only like six parts. I think it's a very. I loved it. It's. I listened to it once a year. It's one of my favorite like documents of like, uh, the queer South. That's a mild spoiler for it, but 
if you're gay, you listen to the man speak. Is, oh, it, oh, it gets, it, oh, 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 is this the one where the guy yeah. lives in a small town and he's like gay and depressed and he like discovers that there's like a giant police conspiracy? Yes. Oh my God. My friend played it for me like just casually. He's like, you have to listen to this. And I listened to like a whole episode of it. And I was like, this is so good. I need to. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I, I actually have listened it. to it. It's so good. Yes. But I remember like being gooped the first time I listened to it. That uh, Like, uh, not like gooped. Cause it's like revealed that he like may have had some homosexual tendencies or whatever, but it's like, if you listen to the way the man talks and you know, anyone who's gay and in the South, you know, he talks just like all of them. Like this is just how gay people talk in the South. Anyway, I don't know how I got to it. Oh, he had a hedge maze. That's why yeah. he was building a hedge maze. Yes, I remember that's that in I the episode I yeah. listened to that he was working on a hedge maze, and he's like, "It's it's about up to my knees now." Yep. You know, but then <laughs> he says, he, and like, I got, got goddamn lost in my own head, hedge maze." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good stuff. <laughs> he uh, he has all these gates in it, so it has uh, upwards of fifty different uh, combinations. It's great. I love him. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. No, totally. Yeah, I think but hedge mazes gay. Yeah, I mean, you know what we didn't get to mention that I mentioned earlier is that my favorite. My favorite person's my favorite theory, and so first off, everyone, you need to watch Room Two Thirty Seven. It's a great documentary yes. about a bunch of people, different people's readings and theories about what The Shining's actually about. Um, all of them are really cool and interesting, but the best one, the most memorable one, is there's this guy who's a conspiracy theorist who believes that The Shining is Kubrick coming clean about faking the moon landing, and that The Shining so is about that, and it's like so iconic. Literally, he says at the end of his, like, little, like, blurb that he's, like, I, I have to stop talking, like, they're after me. Like, I'm, like, oh, girl. Like, I don't know if it's gay, but yeah. I, I'm just going to say, I, I I don't know. There's something kind of gay about I think it. Having, I think having, like, psychologically uh, unhinged opinions and theories about pop culture is gay. Uh, case in point, 50% of my TikTok is just, like... And so Carly Kloss was seen hanging out with Taylor Swift in 2014, and they got Auntie Anne's, and Auntie Anne's is famously a lesbian establishment or whatever. Amazing. Like, it's like... No, it's very... It was very that energy. Gay. Yeah. And, it's and I, like, think it's, I think it's gay. I, I think it's gay. Yeah, it is gay. And so I'm going to mention it. And I feel like I'll give you guys the dummies version of what he says, but essentially the biggest thing is that he says that the, the famous carpet in the hallways of the Overlook Hotel are supposed to look like uh, strip landing strips <laughs> and that Danny is a he's wearing a rocket sweater at one one important scene that mm-hmm. says USA on it sick sweater so and good. that when he goes into room 237 which is where one of the scariest scenes of the movie happens where a lady is naked in a bathtub decrepit and scary that it's Kubrick having to like face his like fact that he like faked like one of the most iconic moments in like the world history, which is that the moon landing didn't happen. And honestly, are all the, are all the scabs on the woman? Are those to represent like the craters in the moon? Yeah, absolutely. And, and here's the thing. I choose to believe that he's right because it's much more fun to think that the moon landing was faked, um, by Stanley Kubrick. Yes. Than it is to think that we actually did that. So I'm a, a, a conspiracy theorist. I do believe the moon landing was not real. And that space doesn't exist, and the Earth is flat. If we were to land on the moon today, who would direct it? Like, if we were to fake it today, I mean, like, who would you want to direct it? James Cameron. James, yeah, of course. James Cameron would be like... <laughs> it would be like, <laughs> we landed on the moon, it's underwater. Yeah, he would find some way to make it pretty wild. Maybe, like, David yeah. Fincher. He'd do a good, like, static shot. Oh, yeah. Of someone landing on It'd the moon. Hot. Yeah. Honestly, Brian De Palma. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's when he, he's so into artifice, though, that he'd like want us to know that it was fake. So he'd like put like little clues. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I and love it. Went, yeah, I need to rewatch Room 237. I remember this really cool theory about that it's actually like a movie about like Americans versus, um, or like settlers yeah. versus American Indians. Um, yeah, like the like Native American genocide. Yeah, that was a really cool one. Um, there was a lot of really cool theories. Yeah, definitely the guy that did all this stuff with space was really cool about how, like, the Overlook Hotel is, like, a hedge maze in its own. 
Oh, so many really yeah. cool. Yeah, everyone watch this. If you like The Shining, even like just a little bit, like I would recommend watching the documentary. It's it's fun. Yeah, and it's cool. Like there's it's all like footage from the movie, right? Like it's, there's no like new footage or they don't do like talking heads. Like it's all just narrative. Yeah, it's just like a bunch of different people telling the their theories of like what they think The Shining's actually about. Yeah. Because I guess like with the, and this goes back into like what straight people like kind of stuff is like I think the reason why straight people love Kubrick so much is that. There's this whole thing that, like, oh, Kubrick is, like, a puzzle master. And every shot, every frame, every lighting, every actor, like, everything in his movies that you see on screen, there's a purpose behind it. Like, a deeper meaning. Mm-hmm. And that you're supposed to be, like, trying to figure it out. Which I think yeah. some of that's probably true. But I think also none of that's true. I just think that, like, Kubrick just had, like, a weird knack for, like, being able to just create images that feel like there's just a lot of depth to them. And that you could, like, like reading a good book or something where you could really, like, kind of parse yeah. out, like, what the meaning could be. Um, yeah. Which is what any of us could ever want if we're artists, isn't it? So. Honestly. Just like Taylor Honestly. Swift theories, you know. Same thing. Taylor Swift <laughs> is our Stanley Kubrick. The only Taylor Swift theory I believe is that she travels by suitcase. And I will that she gets in a suitcase. I die. Have you never seen that where it's like there's like paparazzi footage of like her bodyguards and her security team, like lifting a big suitcase out of her front door into the back of a SUV. And people think that she crawls in the suitcase and then gets out of the suitcase in the car. So that's her way of not being seen by paparazzi. That's really cool. And I really want to believe I believe it. I think it's real. I think it's real. Uh, speaking of Taylor Swift, it's our gay recommendation where we recommend something a little gayer than what we just watched. So this movie, I don't know if it's, it falls more in the category of it's gay because I like it. I've not seen this movie. Uh, I mean, it is, I heard I it's, it's a little gay. It's great. I love it. It is The Lodge, the 2020 Riley Keough movie. Alicia Silverstone's in it for five minutes. It's just as unhinged as her killing of a sacred deer cameo. Um, it's similar to um, what I wanted <coughs> Goodnight Mommy to be. Wasn't it the same director's? It is the same director's as Goodnight Mommy, but this time they got it right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, some people like, disagree you know, with that, so I'm, I'm curious yeah. now. It's. I feel like it is like a, a sister movie to like a mirror movie to Good Might Mommy. It's very similar of like, but they change kind of like the not perspective, but just like who is the actual villain in it and who's who's bad? Is it the kids or the parents? And this time they like they get the balance right, uh, and it has a just a killer ending. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know what? I might watch I love it. it. I might watch it because I I've been curious. About I love it. it. It's a fun movie. Uh, Riley Keough's great in it. And uh, fucking, uh, what's it called? Uh, it was shot by Yorgos's cinematographer. Mm, okay, okay. Um, you're, you're so, you know, everything's it. really great. You're yeah, I think it's fun. It, 100 <coughs> minutes. Riley Keough, we all love her. Alicia Silverstone. Right. I'm just like, great. I'm really resisting this thing that's happening to me where it's like, I've seen so many horror movies and I've seen most of the great ones outside of like, maybe like, you know, your thirties and forties classics, right? That it, mm-hmm. now watching horror movies, it is really just turning into, I just watch something random and just kind of like hope for the best. And most of the time it's pretty bad, but like, I enjoy watching yeah. it and I'm having a hard time like slipping into that. And I feel like The Lodge could be a good one for me to watch because it's just like at this point, I just want something that's memorable in some fashion, you know? Yeah. It is a Christmas movie, technically. Oh, um, I could just wait till Christmas time to watch it then. Yeah, wait till Christmas. Watch your two favorite Christmas horror movies, this and Inside. And Black Christmas. And Black Christmas. Have you seen Black Christmas, Ugh. the original? I have not. Dylan. I need to. Dylan, you have to watch that movie. It's what so I good. gagged? Oh, it's what so good. It's so good. It's so good. Okay. I love Black Christmas. It's great. Everyone watch Black Christmas. Hell yeah. Done. <laughs> it's by the director All of A right. Christmas Story. Okay. Oh, sick. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. I think we are wrapping things up with The Shining and our Halloween Stephen King, Yas King, Spooktacular. We had no name for it. Uh, but my name is Dylan Garcia. You can follow me on Twitter at Dylan Garcia on Instagram and Letterboxd at Garcid. And I'm Kirk Van Sickle, and you can find me on Instagram at Kirk underscore Van Sickle and Twitter and Letterboxd at KRKV and S-C-K-L-E. And yeah, that's it. We did it. 
We did it. Another Halloween season. It's our second one in a row. What would you say, like, the quality of the movies was compared to last year? Oh, so last year, what did we do last year? Event Horizon. Event Horizon. The the thing. The Devil's Rejects. And I can't remember the other one. Cabin in the Woods? Yeah, Cabin in the Woods. Or did we just do that separately? Girl. Uh, I mean, I think. No, I think Cabin in the Woods was part of our series. We have, it was like three all-timers with Misery, The Mist, and The Shining. I agree. I actually think this year went better, and I say I don't like King, but I think we chose some good adaptations to do. Um, I just didn't like it. That That's pretty much it. Uh, and, oh, here we go. Yeah, it's just bad, and I am going through our episode archive real quick to see what it was. Yeah, it was Cabin in the Woods. Okay. Yeah, I think this year we chose better movies. Yeah, but it's hard, you know? Straight horror movies. It's hard. I mean, I think we've done, like, half of the ones that exist yeah. at this point. So. Yeah, next year we're going to just do, like, Night of the Hunter four times. Okay, that movie rules. Um, I know, it's great. Is the that, Criterion is, like, $40. Is straight? Is it? I don't think so. It might not be. There's too much because, singing in that movie. Because what's her face? Um, the famous silent movie actress at the end. Uh, Lillian Gish. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you're right. Lillian Gish is there? Nah. Robert Mitchum, kind of hot, even though he's a horrible, horrible person? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. See, for me, Robert Mitchum can get it. He can, oh yeah, he can get it. He's kind of weird looking, but he can get it. If I remember Night of the Hunter correctly, he can get it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we're done. No more spooky. No more spooky, but we're doing Gobble Gobble next week. Gobble Gobble. Actually, we're at, we've done all the Thanksgiving movies. Yeah, we're not doing any uh, Thanksgiving movies this year. No themes. Yeah. No themes, just vibes next we week. Might just do, we might do Christmas stuff, but I, we just might just do one. Christmas. Let's just do one Christmas movie this year instead of like four. Yeah, I don't know if I can do four again. Yeah, that was brutal. Uh, our... <laughs> I'm sorry. That was like right, Marvel yeah. was the most brutal, and then Christmas like last year was second most brutal. Yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. Ugh. I bye. bye. And now came talk. Talk.